Thank you for tuning in to the Living Truth East Milton podcast. We're glad that you're here. If you'd like more information about our East Milton campus, you can check out our website at eastmiltonchurch.org. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. If you'd like more information about our other campus, you can find that at livingtruthchurch.com or on the Living Truth Church app, which can be found in all app stores. Now for a message from the Word of God. We hope that God uses this teaching to impact your life. Well, amen and good morning and happy new year. I think uh, we can all say that we are happy to see 2020 go by the wayside uh, and and excited, hopefully, to see what 2021 is going to bring. Uh, My name is Jared. I'm the pastor here. So if you're a guest, we want to welcome you. Uh, And if you are a guest or you've been coming for a little while and you want to to know more about us, if you'll look at the bottom of your bulletin, there's a little uh, piece you can fill out and tear off. That's our connect card. Uh, So if you're a guest, we encourage you to fill that out. We want to connect with you. We want to know how we can minister to you, uh, or if you've been coming for a while and you have some prayer requests, or you just want some information on something we're doing, you can fill it out as well, and you can drop it off right there at our Connect table um, before you leave today, uh, and we encourage you to do that. Uh, secondly, a couple of, if, yeah, there's also some announcements in that bulletin, and a couple I want to just uh, draw your attention to. Uh, number one is uh, if you're a small group leader, we're going to have a very quick meeting out here in the foyer next Sunday at uh, 9 a.m. before church. Real quick, just got to give you guys some stuff and let you know how some things are going to go. But uh, uh, if you're a small group leader and you can be here, I encourage you to do so. Uh, Secondly, at the end of this month, the last Wednesday in January, we're going to kick off uh, youth here at the gym on Wednesday nights from 6 to 8. So if you are in that middle school to high school range and and you are looking to grow in your faith, this is going to be an opportunity for you to do so. We encourage you to come check it out uh, on that Wednesday night. Or if you if you have a heart for that age group and you want to serve, you want to minister to them, you want to help disciple them, uh, come see, see me. we got plenty of opportunity for you to serve in that area. And finally, uh, right now, we, we, I mentioned last Sunday that we're, we're in the process of doing a new website and things like that. So right now, the best way to give is either through our giving station or through the text to give number that's in your bulletin. Uh, both of those are the most effective ways. And if you give text to give, you don't have to market East Milton, uh, you know, because we do have a Pace campus, it just goes directly to East Milton, so you don't have to worry about any of that complicated stuff, figuring out which campus you're giving to. Uh, but that's the announcements we have for this morning. Uh, so before we dive in, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to worship you again, Father God. We thank you for the blessing of a new year, Father God. And I pray that this morning that you would be in this place, Father God, that you would stir in the hearts of everybody that's in this room. Father God, we pray for those that uh, couldn't be here today because they're struggling with COVID or sickness or or for whatever reason, Father God. We pray that you be with them, Lord. And we pray that you would just, your hand of protection would be over this body of believers, Father God. And you would equip us to go out and do the work that you have, uh, you know, planned ahead of time for us to do, Father. And we just pray for a movement of your Holy Spirit this morning. We just pray that it's in Jesus' name. Amen. So we spent 2020 going through the Bible together. We, we did our Word series, went from Genesis to Revelation, and we looked at just kind of the story of Scripture. We looked at the depravity of man. We looked at the, the fact that every human being has this sin debt that they are unable to pay because we are not good enough. Because according to God's standard, we will never be good enough. We don't live up to his standard of good, so we have a sin debt that has to be paid. We saw how Jesus is woven throughout the entirety of Scripture from the, and how from the very beginning God started working his rescue plan to take care of that sin problem for the creation that he so loved. And out of his unfailing love for his prized creation, he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to be the propitiation for our sin on the cross. 
so that you and I can be made right with him, so that sin debt could be taken care of if we accept his free gift of salvation through Christ and Christ alone. We looked at the promise Jesus gave of his return, that one day he is coming back and he will make all things right when that day happens. And we looked at what we are called to do as believers as we wait on that return. You know, we are called to love God, love people, pursue righteousness, obey his commands. So that's what we did in 2020. So the question is, what are we going to do in 2021? What do we do now? Now that we've seen how Jesus is from the beginning of Scripture to the end, how, how Jesus you know, is the answer for our sin debt, and how God has been planning our rescue from the very beginning, what do we do now? In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, Peter says that, that God does not wish for any to perish. That is, spend eternity in hell. That he desires for all to come to repentance, that is, turn from their sinful life and follow him. God desires that all would come to faith in Christ. That all would be brought into right relationship with him and be given the right to become a child of God and spend eternity in heaven in his presence. But we also know that before somebody can be made right with God, before they can accept that free gift of salvation, they must first hear the good news of the gospel. Before you believe, somebody told you about Jesus. They told you about what Jesus did on the cross. You didn't just wake up one morning and say, you know, hey, you just didn't start thinking about this Jesus thing. Somebody planted that seed in your mind and it developed from there. And we know as followers of Christ, those who have, have placed their faith in Christ, have been regenerated in Christ, it is the responsibility and the privilege has been given to us to share this good news with the world. So starting today, we're going to spend the next three weeks looking at this command that Jesus gave his followers to go and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And we're going to look at how we can prepare ourselves to do so and fulfill that command. And at the end of that three weeks, we're going to dive into the book of Acts. And we're going to camp out there probably for the, most, the better part of the year. Now, there's some, some flexibility in there. We're not so married to it that if God says, I want you to move in a different direction, we can't move in a different direction. But just know that at this point in time, that's where God is leading us is to spend uh, that, that time in Acts this year. Because we want to be a church in 2021 and for the years to come that is making it happen. And when I say making it happen, I mean fulfilling the Great Commission, sharing the good news of Jesus with the world, being a church of disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We want to be a church that is making that happen. So we're going to spend three weeks looking at that command. Then we're going to spend the rest of the year looking at the book of Acts where the, the first church, the first believers went out into the world. They made that happen. They, sh- they took the gospel to the ends of the earth. They shared it and they made it happen. So that is what we're going to, that's kind of the, the blueprint for the rest of the year. And as we dive into the book of Acts, as we finish up this three weeks on the 17th of January, in our small groups, we're going to start a six-week training series called the Three Circles Evangelism Training. Now, I know before you freak out, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not as bad as you think it is. So some of you just had a, a mini panic attack when I said that. So if you ask believers what the, the, the biggest reason they don't share the gospel is, it's number one, they don't know how, and number two, they don't know how to bring Jesus up in daily conversations. Well, I have good news. This three circles training teaches you to do both. 
It teaches you how to transition daily conversations to Jesus. It teaches you how to share the gospel simply, effectively, and and relatively quickly. So I want to encourage you today, uh, and over the next three weeks, if you're not plugged into one of our small groups, amen, I heard that, um, we have have a sign-up table in the back that has all seven of our small groups that that meet throughout the week in different homes, different days. Sign up for one of those, and just come check it out. Even if you're nervous, come check it out. And just go through the training, and I I promise you, you're going to feel 100% more comfortable sharing the Word of God with people than you ever have before. Now, I'm just saying, it's not the only way to share the gospel, but I believe for us and our culture and where we're at right now, that it is a very effective way to share the gospel. So that's where we're headed, that's where we're going, and I hope that you guys are, are get, will get excited about it as we move through the next three weeks, that you will get committed to one of these small groups, and that you will really catch the vision that I believe God has given this church. I'm, I mean, I just look at what God did in and through you guys in 2020, in a worldwide pandemic, and all the chaos 2020 brought, and the things that he did, and I just, it gets me even more excited for what he can do in the future and what he's going to do in the future. So I just encourage you guys to just step up your game a little bit. All right, because, because what we're going to talk about the next three weeks is only going to really play out if we're united in this mission together, if we're united in making it happen together. So this morning we're going to be in Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. And for those of you who may be new to church, this is what's known as the Great Commission. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to, to make your way there now. And we're just going to, we're going to pray one more time because I really want you guys to, to dig your teeth into this this morning and just really grab hold of this commission that God has given all believers. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just come to you one more time, Father God. We just pray that, that it would be your word spoken and not mine, Father God, that you, you would do the convicting, you would do the leading, that you would do uh, the transformation, Father God, that it would be all you this morning, that we would just, just dwell in your presence, that you would remove all distractions, all junk, all, all the fact that we're meeting in a gym, you would just remove all that and, and we would focus on your word this morning. And we just praise you, Son, in Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, and we're going to read verses 16 and 17 together. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. So for some reason, Jesus had instructed the the remaining 11 disciples, remember, Judas is no longer with them. He had instructed them to meet them at this mountain in Galilee, which they they were in Jerusalem. So this is a pretty good trek from Jerusalem to this mountain in Galilee. And it's not real. They don't give a lot of detail in this gospel or the other gospels of why Jesus directed them there. But he did tell them to go. And the disciples had hung around Jesus enough. They knew that when Jesus said to do something, you do it. You don't really question it. You just go and do it because Jesus is always right. So they had been around him enough to understand that. And they had that much wisdom about him. So they went to this mountain in Galilee. Now, there's not a whole lot of certainty of which mountain this was specifically. Most believe that it was the mountain of, uh, mountain of transfiguration, you know, where Jesus appeared with Moses and Elijah, and they were all, you know, glowing and stuff, and he's with the three disciples, and, and then Peter opens his big mouth and says, you want me to build like a shelter, and then they all three leave, you know, Peter's known for opening his big mouth in, in wrong moments. But so that's, that's the Mount of, of Transfiguration. You guys can go read that later, but that's, that's where most think that this meeting took place between Jesus and the 11 disciples. 
And so that's where they're heading. And, and it says when they saw him, they worshipped him. Now, when it says worship in this context, they, it, they showed him reverence. They showed him, they gave him the greeting that would have been customary to the high priest at that time. You know, they, they maybe would have kissed his hand or his cheek or something. They didn't, they, you know, they didn't break out in song, that kind of worship. But they showed him reverence in this moment, in this meeting with Jesus. But it also said they worshipped, but then some doubted. Now this word doubted here would have been more of like a, they showed hesitation. Uh, maybe a struggle to comprehend what it was they were seeing. That kind, of, that, kind of, that kind of doubt or that kind of a proceed with caution kind of hesitation. But it's very unlikely that in this text Matthew is referring to the 11 disciples. And it's more likely that there was a larger crowd of people present for this meeting with Jesus. Because Jesus had already met with the 11 disciples prior to this event. He had already taken care of a lot of their their doubts and their disbelief. He'd already shared a meal with them. He had took care of old doubting Thomas. He had let him touch the holes in his arms. And he had, you know... He had connected the dots for him regarding all the prophecies of the Old Testament and why they had to be fulfilled and how he fulfilled them. You know, he, and in Luke, he says that Jesus opened their minds to the scripture. So he had already taken the 11. He explained God's word to them. He explained the meaning of all these texts to them. So these guys had an understanding beyond what anybody else would have had at that point. So it's very unlikely that when it says some doubted that he's referring to the 11. It, 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 it indicates that there was other people present for, for this moment as Jesus is teaching the disciples. So Jesus is meeting with these men, and likely some of the people that were in the crowd were probably other converts, other disciples, but it could have very, been, it could have very well been people that were on the fence or people who just said, hey, there's a crowd gathering, let's go see what's going on. So we know that there was probably just a mixed group of people that were, you know, for sure, 100% knew that this was the resurrected Jesus, this was the same guy that they saw die on the cross, he is now back, and there were some that were still proceeding with caution. So the eleven are gathered at this mountain in Galilee. And then in verse 18, Jesus begins to speak. He says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So Jesus says he has all authority on heaven and on earth, but who gave him the authority? See, it was God the Father that has given Jesus this authority. Authority over angels, authority over the the rulers and authorities of this world, over the powers of this world, over all of creation, over the devil himself. God has given that authority to Jesus. The authority and power to rule and reign both here and in heaven. The authority to forgive, to save, to give eternal life, to execute judgment on creation. God has given Jesus all of that authority. He has given him authority over, and he is the head of the church, the body of Christ, the gathered uh, believers. And this proclamation of Jesus' authority affirms his deity, his connection with God, that he is fully God. And that Father, the Father God has given him this authority. So you better listen to what he's about to say. Because there is no higher authority other than him in this moment. 
So Jesus is fully God. He has the same power, but in that statement, it also shows that he is still subject to God the Father because his authority came from God and God alone. So knowing that his authority, his power came from God the Father means that Jesus' rule and his authority is going to be in alignment with the will of God. Jesus is not going to go rogue. He's not going to venture out from the will of God. He's going to stay within the confines of the will of God. So Jesus establishes his authority, and then he begins to commission his disciples to finish the mission that he started in his life on earth. And that's what we see in verses 19 through 20a. It says in, sorry, in verse 19, he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Jesus, or God sent Jesus, his one and only Son, to carry out his rescue plan for humanity, to bring redemption to God's prized creation. He sent Jesus to carry out that mission. And now in this moment, Jesus is transferring that mission to the disciples, to the original 11 disciples, to continue that ministry that Jesus started. And because Jesus has already established his authority on heaven and on earth, he has established it. He has the power to commission them to do this. He's not just some crazy guy commissioning them to do this. This is the Son of God that has all the authority and power that God does that is commissioning these 11 men to go out into the world and continue his ministry. I mean, think about it for a moment. These are primarily uneducated, common, everyday men, fishermen, you know, all these guys that, that they weren't priests, they weren't Pharisees, they weren't any of those things. They were just common, everyday men. And now Jesus has now entrusted with them the, the most important thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. He's entrusted to these men to continue that mission. The mission to rescue humanity. The mission to rescue the world. I mean, essentially, these 11 are being commissioned to go out and be superheroes, right? You know, they are, on, they, they are the Superman and the Batman. They said, look, you, the, the world is in danger. The world is coming to an end. I'm commissioning you to go out and be my messengers, continue my ministry, and save it. That's a big deal. What an honor, what a privilege that the Son of God, who has authority in heaven and on earth, would give these 11 men the right and the privilege and the honor to carry out that mission, these unqualified men to go and do this. Again, these 11 wouldn't meet most of the qualifications in your church today to be a staff member or a pastor, but yet Jesus is commissioning them to go and continue what he started. But the commissioning was not just limited to these 11 men. But basically what Jesus is calling them to do is to go and replicate themselves out in the world. To train people so that they can do the same. So that they can be disciples who make disciples who make disciples. 
That's what we talked about last week. If you are truly becoming a doer of the word, if you are pursuing righteousness, you're going to produce kingdom fruit. That means you're going to be producing new believers. You're going to be producing disciples. And when you're producing kingdom fruit, that fruit is is going to reproduce itself. So if you're truly carrying out this mission of God, you're going to be producing disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And in the text, the command isn't necessarily to go, but the command that Jesus is giving, being that it's a command, that means it's not an optional thing. The command is to make disciples. That word go in this text, you know, it's, it's not, you know, some have interpreted it in years past that, you know, this only refers to missionaries or church staff to go to the nations with the gospel or, um, you know, but that's really not the meaning of it either. Or, and it's not like Jesus, like, you know, when you tell your kids when they've annoyed you until the last time, you say, you know, go away from me or you better go right now for something bad happens to you. That's not the kind of go that he's telling disciples now either. He's saying that that word go would be better interpreted as, you know, in your, in your goings, in your everyday life, go and make disciples. That is, as you go throughout life, as you go to the doctor, as you take your kids to school, as you're picking up the groceries, as you're going out to eat, as you're sitting in a classroom, you know, wherever your day takes you, wherever your life takes you, go and make disciples. Be looking and seeking opportunities to be intentional about your day so that you can make disciples, so you can be obedient to this command. So knowing that that is Jesus' call for us to go in our everyday life and make disciples, now that doesn't mean he's not going to maybe call you to go to the other nations. That doesn't mean he may not call you to go do something that you never thought you would do. But he's saying until he calls you to do that, you need to still be going through your everyday life and making disciples. And understand, again, it's not a suggestion that this is a commandment. There is a period at the end of that. Jesus says, go and do it. There's no room for debate. He says, this is not optional. And this is a claim, this is command that is given to anyone that claims to be a follower of Christ. You know, so to know that you are, you are to be intentionally... Uh, Actively trying to make disciples in your everyday life means you have to go out prepared. There's, there's, there's certain things you need to be doing to make sure you're prepared and be, be, so you're able to be intentional about that. And we're going to cover that over the next couple of weeks. But for, the, for today, just know that the command is to go and make disciples. And it's not just for pastors and missionaries, but it's everybody that has been made new in Christ, has been transformed by the gospel of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4 says it's the role of pastors and teachers to equip the saints. The saints are the followers of Christ. You know, it's not somebody who has a statue made up in front of, you know, about them like in a Catholic church or something like that. It's you are the saints. If you're a follower of Christ, you are the saints. And it's the role of the church and the leaders of the church to equip you to carry out the mission of God. And the mission of God is to rescue the world. And the mission for you is to take the good news of the gospel to the world and make disciples. That's how the church is supposed to function. But notice what Jesus is not saying. He is not saying, wait for them to come to you. 
He's not saying, he's saying, go to them. Don't sit and wait. Go to the people and make, go to them and make disciples. Go to those that need to hear the gospel. Bring the message to them. He didn't say build a big fancy building, meet once a week and hope disciples get made that week or that way. He said, no, go to them and make disciples. Our process for making disciples shouldn't just be bring them to worship on Sunday. That should be kind of the goal after we've led them to Christ. That should be one of the first steps in the discipleship process. All right? But our hope for somebody's salvation shouldn't merely be in, I'm going to bring them to Sunday service so the pastor can share the gospel and they're going to get saved that way because that responsibility has been given to both me and you. So we are to, to go into the cities, the towns, to the ends of the earth and make disciples. We're not called to hide away from people and hope they come to us and start asking questions. We were called to go to them. So we've established that the command is to make a disciple, but we need to understand what it, a disciple is. In the context of Jesus... A disciple would be somebody who's a lifelong learner of God's word. Somebody who is committed to not just knowing, but understanding the word of God and then doing it. And somebody who is uh, you know, committed to pursuing a life of righteousness, who is committed to being a doer of God's word. Essentially someone who is committed to becoming like Christ. That is a disciple. Now, some of you, if, if, you've, if you've read Robbie Gowdy's book, you, you've heard this before, but the word Christian is only used three times in the New Testament, and two of those was in a negative context. But the word disciple is used over 250 times in the New Testament. That's because, and this is, this is a statement that Robbie Gowdy made, you know, and I agree with it. He said that God did not call us to be Christians, but he called us to be disciples of Christ. There's a big difference. There's plenty of people that claim to be a Christian, but they're not a disciple of Christ. Two different, two different things. You can believe in Jesus and not be a disciple, because you can believe in Jesus and still live like the devil, but you can, to believe and then be a disciple of Christ are two totally different things. And Jesus is calling us to be a disciple of his, somebody that is pursuing a life of, of becoming like Christ, not merely to be a Christian. Somebody that just says they believe in Jesus. And to be a disciple, step one is that you have to first believe. You must first hear the good news of the gospel to place your faith in Christ. So Jesus does say, go and make disciples. He says, he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is affirming the Godhead, the, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he's, he's recognizing that all three are involved in the discipleship process. But in that, he also is affirming that the first step in making disciples is they need to hear the good news. So that they might believe. You can't make a disciple of Christ until they first believe. See, sharing the gospel and making disciples, it's, it's not an, you know, you, if you grew up in church culture, you've, you've heard evangelism over here in this corner, and then they might have like a Sunday night class that says, come to discipleship class. And they've separated the two for so many years, but it's not, it's not an and or thing. Discipleship and evangelism are one. You can't have one without the other. If you're sharing the gospel, discipleship has to be right there too. They are one. They are not two separate entities. 
So if you're sharing the gospel with people, that is great and fantastic. You also need to have a role in discipling people and training them to be like Christ. Because Jesus said to, to make sure they, you know, to baptize them, to lead them to him. But he, he said, once they believe, teach them to observe or to obey all that I have commanded. That, mean, that means teach them to become like me. So the command is, as a church, we are to, to in, our, in our daily goings, share the gospel, make disciples. Share the gospel, make disciples. If you leave here with nothing else today, know that you, if you are a follower of Christ, you need to leave here this week, and the thing you're called to do is share the gospel, make disciples. Share the gospel, make disciples. That's the most important thing you can leave here with today. But you also need to understand that you just don't become a disciple all at once. It's a process. That's why we have small groups and discipleship groups and other things here because it, you have to be taught how to be a disciple. You have, to, you have to be equipped. You have to be encouraged in that journey of discipleship, in that sanctification process. It doesn't just come naturally because as you pursue uh, discipleship, you are battling against your flesh and blood. You're battling against the things that come naturally to you. So if you want to be successful in this call to make disciples, you have to do it with other believers. You are not called to do it alone. You know, here at Living Truth, we have a, what, we, what we think is a very simple discipleship strategy. Connect, grow, serve, multiply. We can, you get connected with, with us on Sunday mornings or in a small group. And then you get connected with Jesus and salvation. Then you grow through baptism and through studying God's word and being taught how to be a disciple. And then you serve in, in, on Sundays and you serve out in the community. And then you multiply yourselves. And we do, we, we, the process we use for multiplying is through our D groups. We teach you how to be a, a well-rounded disciple so that you are capable to go out and replicate yourself. The end goal is for you to replicate yourself for the rest of your time here on earth. Like, like just because it starts with salvation, ends with discipleship, and you're going to continue to disciple people until Jesus calls you home. We've got to remember that discipleship process takes time. Some people are more hard-headed than others. So some of it comes a little bit easier. Some people it takes years to get them on that discipleship track. But we just have to be constantly moving forward in that journey with the end goal being my mission. The mission that God has given you and I is to go out and make more disciples. That is the command. You and, and, and some people just think it's, it's always the role of the church to make disciples. But I mean, even in other contexts, parents, the, you are the primary disciple maker in your home. You are the primary discipler of your children. It's not the job of the church. Their job is to come alongside you and equip you to help you to disciple your, chil- your children. But God has given you and me the responsibility, because I'm a parent too, to re- disciple our children. Dads and husbands, you have been given the sole responsibility of discipling your wife and your kids, of being the discipler in your household. That responsibility lies on your shoulders and not the shoulders of the church. Those who are mature in the faith, those who are seasoned believers that are, would be considered a mature believer, 
And I'm not necessarily talking about people that are old, you know, that have been just, they're just seasoned because they're a little bit older than the rest of us, but people that are mature in the faith. You know, I've been around people that have been believers for 40 or 50 years, but I would still put them in the baby Christian category or the baby follower of Christ category. And I've been around people that have been saved for five or 10 years, and they are the most mature believers I've ever been around in my life. So, but it's the call for mature believers to raise up those infants in the faith, to be, to be pouring into them, to teach them how to be a follower of Christ. So we need people like you that are those mature believers to be investing in other believers so they can go out and replicate themselves as well. But again, understand the call, the command on you and I is to make disciples, which means sharing the good news of Christ and teaching people how to live for Jesus. That is the command. That is the mission. That is what you and I and every follower of Christ has been commissioned to do. And even though I know that seems like a tall order for you and I, the encouraging part of it all is that Jesus promises that we're not left to do this task on our own or in our own power. Understand that, that we don't save anybody. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that saves somebody. We're just merely the messenger. Listen to what Jesus finishes up with in verse 20, uh, the second part of verse 20. He says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And disciples are not made without the power of the Holy Spirit. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is sealed in the heart of every believer when they place their faith in Christ. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. And it's through that, that power of the Holy Spirit that we are called out into this mission. We cannot be successful in this mission without the power of the Holy Spirit. If you seek to do it in your own power, you're going to fail miserably. But Jesus says, I'm going to be with you to the end of the age until you know, I come back. I'm going to be, I have this promise to be with you to carry out this mission. So it's this promise of this help that comes from Jesus and his authority that should empower you and I to be able to follow him faithfully in this mission without any fear whatsoever. Because if Jesus is for you, who can be against you? Just remember that, that you save no one. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that you, God has just merely chosen you and I to be the vessel of his message. You know, I believe for most of us in this room, at some point in our lives, some of us may have buried it down deep at some point, but we have this kind of hunger about us, this, this hidden desire almost to have a life that is filled with adventure, excitement, to have a life that means something, that, that has an impact on the world around us, that when we go to that grave, people can say, yeah, that person did this. That person had a positive impact on this, on this family or this, this town or, or whatever it might be. And I feel I'm pretty confident most people have that thought. Now, this may have been a very long time since you've actually thought about it, but I feel like we all have that to some degree. We want to have a life that is full of adventure and excitement and, and that means something. And God has given us the opportunity to fulfill that desire, to satisfy that hunger for adventure, that need to go on a journey. You don't have to, to, to go throughout the world and take all these fancy Instagram pictures and be one of these Instagram influencers and all this stuff to have an exciting life. You can simply place your faith in Christ and be committed to living out your faith and you'll get all the adventure you ever wanted. You'll get all the, the excitement you ever, your body can handle. If you just commit to carrying out the mission of God.
You know, just last week we talked about what God expects of you and I as believers, how he expects us to pursue a life of righteousness, how he expects us to be both a hearer and a doer of the word. God expects us to be making disciples. He expects us to be carrying out his mission that Jesus commissioned us to carry out. He expects us to share the good news. He expects us to teach others how to become like Christ. There is not a greater adventure, a greater journey, or a more satisfying thing you could ever do with your life than to carry out that mission. So what's stopping you this morning from carrying out the mission that God has commissioned you to do? Is it, is it fear? Because we know that Jesus said he's going to be with you every step of the way, that he has all authority. There is, there is nothing that we face in this life that he, has not, he does not have authority over. He's in control. Are you afraid of rejection? You know, most of us, for the time being in this country, the biggest thing that's going to happen to us with sharing our faith is rejection. Now, there are some, some outliers, but for the majority of us, we're going to face rejection. Somebody's going to call you a bad name. Somebody's going to, you know, maybe make you cry or something. It's okay. That's the biggest thing you're going to face. But across the globe, we have brothers and sisters in the faith that share the gospel with a consistent threat of being killed for their faith, for sharing the gospel, for fulfilling this great commission. But see, they know life is fleeting. They, they've counted the cost and they said, Jesus is worth it. These people that need to hear the gospel are worth it. They are worth my sacrifice. They are even worth my death just so they can hear the good news. And yet, so they're willing to risk it all. They're willing to make it happen because they deemed Jesus and people worth it. Maybe you're hesitant. Maybe you have doubts about the whole Jesus thing. And maybe you're not sold out yet. Maybe you're just merely a Christian and not a disciple yet. Just know that, that Jesus doesn't turn away just because you doubt or have hesitation. You know, he leaned in and he took away the doubt of the 11 when he came back and revealed himself to them. So I encourage you, if you're in here with doubts, if you're in here with hesitations, if you're a little standoffish to the Jesus thing, turn into him. Bring your doubts, your hesitations to him. He can handle them, I promise you. And I promise you, if you sincerely seek him, you sincerely seek answers to those doubts and hesitations, that he will respond. He will remove all of those if you sincerely seek after him. Maybe you're a person that says, I don't want to share. I don't want to know how. And I don't want to, you know, know how to bring it up. To not be obedient to this command is to be disobedient to God, which means you're sinning against God, which means you're not pursuing a life of righteousness. This is a command that Jesus has given us, and to not do it is to live in sin. Now, if you're a true disciple of Christ, then you should have an issue with living and dwelling in sin. Now, you may not have known this was a sin. This is what would be called like the sin of omission. You're, honestly, you're not necessarily going out and sinning, but you're sinning by not doing what God called you to do. So I encourage you, if you are this person, or maybe you just, you want to share, but you don't know how. Get signed up for one of these small groups. Jump in. That's why we're doing what we're doing, so that we can effectively equip us for the mission that God has given us. And there's probably some of you who say, what's the, what's the big deal? Other people are sharing. I don't need to share. They're going to take care of it for me. Again, you're living in sin if you do that. But I want, I, want us to read, I want us to read 2 Timothy verses 1 and 2. 
and see what, what Timothy lays out there. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, he says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So Paul discipled Timothy, and now he is commissioning Timothy to take what Paul taught him to the wise and faithful men that are around him, those who are, would be other disciples of Christ, those would be mature believers. And he is to disciple them with the goal of then those men going out and teaching others, being disciples that make disciples that make disciples. You know, Billy Graham said that this verse is like a mathematical equation for spreading the gospel. If a church followed this pattern, they would reach the whole world with the gospel in one generation. He even admitted that his mass crusades, which he believed that God had wholeheartedly called him to do, which he, he shared the gospel with millions of people, he said would not have the same effect as the one-on-one relationship that comes through following out this formula of evangelism and discipleship that, that Paul lays out for Timothy. Let's look at some numbers, and, and this is a morning I wish I had a giant whiteboard or we had some, some bigger screens, so try and follow me, and if you need to see these numbers on a piece of paper later, let me know I got them scribbled down somewhere. So let's just say, just hypothetically, in this body of believers, I'm the only one year after year that's, that's sharing the gospel with people. Just hypothetically. I know that's not the case. Just say hypothetically. Let's say once a year, like just say we go through 2021, I lead one person to Christ and I disciple them. Then in 2022, the two of us, we both lead somebody to Christ. And then at the end of 2022, there's, there's four disciples now. And let's say that process plays out over the next decade to 2031. We would have led, you know, just, just starting with me, we would have seen about a little over a thousand disciples made. In most church circles, that's a great number. It's not, that's, not too, that's not too bad, especially if all thousands stayed in your congregation. You would be considered definitely a mega church at that point. But let's, let's see what happens. You know, here we've we got roughly about 100 people that come in and out of this church on every, any given Sunday. So let's just say, hypothetically, that every person in 2021 that hears this message leads one person to Christ and disciples them. We would start 2022 with 200 disciples. Let's say that plays out again in 2022. We'd start 2023 with 400 disciples. Then we let that play out again for a decade to 2031. We would have just over 200,000 disciples that would have been made just from this congregation alone. Now, some of you may be familiar with this number. The population of Santa Rosa County is 184,000 and with a projected 2% growth rate over the next decade. So that means in 2031, you'd have just, just over 200,000 people living in Santa Rosa County. So if, if we committed to living out this great commission, to making disciples, if we just committed to leading one person a year to the Lord and discipling them, in theory, you could reach all of our county in 10 years with the gospel. Now, we know that not everybody that hears is going to believe, and we know that not everybody in the county is, is you know, there's a lot of believers where we live. But just, just in general, just think if the church lived out that mission, if they lived out this formula that, 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 that Paul lays out for Timothy, the impact you could have on your city, your neighborhood, your towns, the world, if we just committed to leading one person to Christ a year. That's a little more effective than just your pastor and staff 
and missionaries that we send to corners of the earth, at least in my mind. I mean, numbers don't lie. Numbers are consistent. And I'm confident everybody in this room has the capability to lead one person to Jesus. It could be your child. It could be a family member. It could be your coworker. You have the capability to lead at least one person a year to Jesus. And that's my challenge for us this year, is to just lead each one of us to commit to leading one person to Jesus and carry him through the discipleship process. Maybe, maybe you're not the one that's doing all the teaching, but you're the one that's encouraging them, helping them grow in their faith so they get to a point where they're able to go out and do exactly what you did. That is our challenge for, that, that, is, that is what making it happen is going to look like in 2021 for this church. So as, as, as Danny comes up and he leads us in the invitation, that's kind of where I want your hearts and minds headed. And I want you just to think about a couple things. You know, first off, just think about the, the responsibility that you have been given to carry out the mission of God and how awesome of a responsibility that is. And just think about the fact that God expects you to be doing that and to not do it is to live in sin. That we are called to invest good news into the lives of others and teach them and disciple them to replicate ourselves. You know, Romans 8 says that all creation yearns for the gospel. That all creation yearns for Jesus. You know, people in their souls, whether they realize it or not, they yearn for God. They yearn for salvation in Christ. And we are responsible to point them in that direction. He didn't call the rocks, he didn't call the trees, he didn't call the sunsets, he didn't call the animals to get this message out. He called you and I to be the vessels of this message, to be the disciple makers. So the question is, do you accept the mission or are you okay with living in sin? Are you okay living in disobedience to God? Are you okay with not living up to the expectation that he's placed on you? So how are you going to respond this morning? Yeah, I debated having you guys like fill out the connect card and just saying, you know, put it in the little box over there and say, hey, I'm committed to doing this. You know, and if you want to, that's great. But I really want you guys to spend the next, I mean, if you've made your decision this morning, great. We, I'd love to know that you're committed to making it happen. But just pray about it over the next couple of weeks. And if nothing else, just commit to coming to these small groups and checking out what sharing Jesus and making disciples looks like. But just Think about where you are with the Lord and think about what are the things that are keeping you from fulfilling this great commission, from sharing the gospel with the world. Anything that's stopping you, Jesus can deal with that. You just got to bring it to him. So that's where we're headed. That's where we're going. And I hope you guys will join us on that mission this year. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we just we thank you for the opportunity to be on mission, Father God, to fulfill, uh, you know, to be, just have a role in your rescue plan, your redemption of the world, Father God. That is, uh, there is nothing greater we could do with our lives than to be a part of that mission. We have the, you've given us the opportunity to have an eternal impact on people's lives, to meet the biggest need that any person has in this life. You have given us the opportunity, the responsibility to be the messengers of your good news. And I pray that as a church, that we would cling to that, Father God, that we would pursue that, that we would be a church that is, is making that happen, Father God. God, I, I pray for those in here this morning that, that don't know you. 
Father God, and I just I pray that you would make yourself known to them this morning, to know the hope and the joy and the fulfillment that comes with following you, Father God, and to know what it's like to be able to live, even in a year like 2020 was, knowing that you have this promise of a hope and a future where none of this pain and suffering even exists. But God, I just pray that you would move and that we would respond appropriately this morning. We just surrender the rest of this time to you in your son Jesus' name. Amen.